Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Pitts Evans. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. Let's get right to the Word of God. Friends, today we're going to get into the book of Esther. We're introducing a a new book. And uh, Esther is one of, for me, one of the most interesting books of the Bible. First, in the natural, it records a history of a young woman named Esther who gets married to the king of Persia. And so the author is generally believed to have been her cousin, a man named Mordecai. Internally, the document itself in chapter 9 says that Mordecai recorded these events. So our assumption is that Esther's cousin, Mordecai, who raised her, is the one who wrote down this story. The story was recorded sometime after 460 B.C. because the events that take place are prior to that time and up to that time. The citizens of the Persian kingdom, both Jews and Gentiles, were the original recipients. In a somewhat unique fashion, the book of Esther played out on the world stage in real time. As we go through the book, you'll see a number of letters were written and sent out to um, the 127 provinces of the Persian Empire, which at that time was basically the known world. Persia had conquered everything from India to Ethiopia, and um, the events that take place in the book of Esther were sent in the form of letters to uh, the various provinces, which were themselves countries prior to the Persians conquering them. As the content unfolds as we're going through the book, we'll read about the marriage of Esther, who is a young Jewish woman, to the king of Persia, who is um, at that time the most powerful ruler on earth. And the story contains not only that marriage, but it gives a very interesting story about the Lord's protection of his Jewish people. And um, Esther is the agent that the Lord used to protect his people, but the hand of God was moving behind the scenes to protect the Jews through uh, a difficult period of time. The book for Christians gives a wonderful prophetic picture of the bride of Christ, um, Esther representing the bride and um, the king of Persia representing the groom or representing Christ. It may have been strictly intended to encourage the Jewish people to remain true to their faith and let them know that God was working behind the scenes. But as Christians, we believe that it's also giving us a prophetic picture of how the Lord relates to his bride, how together the Lord and his bride, the church, overcome evil and um, uh, learn to live together. There's a lot of prophetic significance I'll get into as we go through the book and as I end the book later on. The term God is never used in the book itself. Uh, The term Yahweh is not used. It is the only book of the Bible where uh, none of the major terms, names, and titles of God are used. And um, just one last little footnote as far as background. This book gives us the origins of the Jewish festival of Purim. And so the early history of these events resulted in a Jewish festival that is still celebrated to this day called Purim. And we'll talk about um, the nuances of that. Now, I want to give you a a general, I don't know what to call it exactly, a general philosophy I have for interpreting Scripture. 
And it's essentially this, that all Scripture is written for at least five levels of interpretation. Some Scriptures have more than five levels. So what are the five levels? First level, the original recipients. In the case of the book of Esther, they were the Persian citizens. Uh, These were the original recipients. Second level, all Jewish people. And, of course, um, Esther was written to Jewish people by a Jewish person, and the story in, uh, from a Jewish perspective conveys that God will protect his Jewish people. And then the third level is the book of Esther and all scripture is written to individual Jews. To an individual Jew, this book says, remain true to your faith and don't be intimidated by wicked men or by circumstances. And then beyond the initial three levels of interpretation for all the books of the Bible is the fact that the fourth level is applicable to the universal church of Jesus Christ. And uh, this book has a lot to say to the universal church. And then the fifth level is to individual Christians. For each of us, we should know that God will triumph over evil and that if we're obedient, uh, there may come a time where we have to stand up and be used by God in a difficult situation. And then beyond these five levels... There is sometimes a historical level. For example, in the book of Acts, there's a recorded incident of a shipwreck that gives a history that's used in naval colleges around the world as the earliest uh, recorded event of a, a shipwreck, the earliest detailed recorded event of a shipwreck. And then in some books, there is what's known as a prophetic or a mystical interpretation. And in the case of Esther, I believe there are prophetic and mystical implications. For example, the book of Esther is set in the context of ten feasts or banquets. To me, these speak of the wedding supper of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb. From Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 19, we read these words in verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Verse 9, then the angel said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so this um, setting for the book of Esther playing out in the context of a number of feasts or banquets, I believe, speak prophetically to the wedding supper of the Lamb. In addition to that, I already mentioned that um, for Christians, Esther can be a type of the bride of Christ. The Persian king can be a type of Jesus Christ. The Persian king was the king of the known world. Jesus, of course, is the king of kings. And there's a villain in this story, too, that we'll come to named Haman. Haman represents a type of the devil. Uh, Once again, to Christians and Jews, Haman represents a a type of the devil. And so um, after introducing this book, I want to go now into the reading of Esther chapter 1. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes, The Xerxes, who ruled over 127 provinces, stretching from India to Cush. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all of his nobles and officials. The military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. For a full 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet 
lasting for seven days, in the enclosed garden of the king's palace, for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen, fastened with cords of white linen and purple material, to silver rings on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of marble, mother-of-pearl, and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant, in keeping with the king's liberality. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions, for the king instructed all of the wine stewards to serve each man whatever he wished. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him to bring before him Queen Vashti, wearing her royal robes, in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, because she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. Since it was customary for the king to consult experts in the matters of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times and were closest to the king. These were the seven nobles of Persia and Media who had special access to the king and were highest in the kingdom. According to law, what must be done to Queen Vashti, he asked. She has not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs have taken to her. Then Mimukin replied in the presence of the king and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against all of the nobles and the peoples of all of the provinces of King Xerxes. For the queen's conduct will become known to all women, and so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come. This very day, the Persian and Median women of the nobility, who have heard about the queen's conduct, will respond to all of the king's noble in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree, and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also, let the king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she. Then, when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all of his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice. So the king did as Mimukin had proposed. He sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province in its own script, and to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his own household using his native tongue. So just to review briefly, this um, king, who is called Xerxes in the first verse, is also known as Artaxerxes and Ahasuerus. 
These various names, Ahasuerus is his Persian name, Artaxerxes was a Greek name from the Greek version of the Bible, uh, the Septuagint. It carried over to our English Bibles, most English Bibles. And sometimes Artaxerxes is shortened as Xerxes, all the same man. And so the king made a lavish feast, a six-month-long feast, for the princes of all of the 127 provinces, which were countries that he had conquered. The king wanted to show off his beautiful queen, Vashti. Uh, He summoned her, and she refused to come. This started a, a series of events where everyone was appalled and shocked that Queen Vashti didn't come. We're not given the reason why she didn't come, but whatever the case, her refusal results in the the wise advisors of King Xerxes saying he needs to depose Queen Vashti and do away with her so that other wives will respect their husbands. So a royal decree was sent out, and the royal decree goes, uh, according to the Bible, to every province, that would be every country, and every group of people in their own language. So friends, this is a unique um, set of events that are playing out on the world stage in real time. And this royal decree said um, explained what had happened with Queen Vashti uh, disrespecting the king, and the king deposing her as queen and as his wife for her lack of respect. And the hope was in the Persian kingdom that this would cause other wives to respect their own husbands. So, Lord, uh, we thank you for this amazing book. We thank you for the prophetic foreshadowings that are to come, both for Jews and for Christians, and indeed for all mankind. We thank you, Lord, that these events were recorded in our Bible and also in the annals of many countries as they played out in real time some 25, 2600 years ago. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.